blessed. Text your people, they shit All the problems and your knees if you just Lawyer, doctor, anything if you just You got some questions about some things you just You a king, be the king, you just Got proper comfort for the queens if they Live in favor, see the dream Get your phone, text your people, they shit Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Mailbox. I'm your host, Michael Morgan. I'm excited for another uh another uh, broadcast of our podcast. Very excited to be with you, everybody. Like I said, it's May 12th, Thursday. We have a great show lined up today. We have Gerald A. Moore Sr., uh, who's going to talk about STEM and a lot of things that he's doing to help Black boys in our community uh, get better when it comes to technology STEM and things like that. And if you all follow us on the uh, on our social media platform, meaning like a few good mentors or uh, or Facebook, Instagram, things like that, you'll notice that this week, especially and last week, we posted some job um, announcements concerning STEM and technology career jobs. And just as a refresher, just to kind of get people a little bit excited. I'm sure Gerald's going to talk about it, but some of these salaries range from like 60000 to over $120,000. So uh, kids graduating college or kids getting ready to thinking about career choices and things like that, the STEM field is a great place to go and think about, especially if you're in video games, things like that. Um, it's a great place and a great area for you to get into if you're interested in technology. And so we're going to talk about a lot of those things today with our guest. I'm excited to, to bring them out. We, we With a few good mentors, we really are focused in on our careers, being a gentleman. These are some of our core values. Uh, so let's bring in Gerald A. Moore Sr., who is our special guest today. Gerald, good to see you and glad to have you in the mailbox. How are you, sir? Brother Michael, I'm blessed to be here and thank y'all for inviting me to the show. Good, good, good. So Gerald, I talked a little bit about you, but why don't you tell all of our viewers in more detail, a little bit more about yourself. Everybody out there in the mailbox, my name is Gerald A. Moore Sr. and I'm the founder of an organization called Mission Fulfilled 2030 whose vision is to inspire, educate, and activate 100,000 young Black males in tech and STEM. Um, I live in the D.C. metro area. Our organization is founded out of the D.C. metro area, but we do work nationally. We do work nationally. So again, I'm Gerald A. Moore Sr. Yeah, that's great. And I see the book behind you, which I'm going to jump right into that right away. And your book is called Motivate Black Boys. Um, and how to prepare for careers in STEM, which I think is a phenomenal book. Everybody should go get it. I really enjoyed reading it. And I know, like you said, you're originally from Rochester, New York. And when it comes to, not a lot of people know about Rochester. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio uh, myself. So I know a little bit about that part of New York, but can you describe what life was like for you 
growing up in Rochester. I know the wintertime lasted forever, but yeah, we have we have that it? lake effect snow in common. Absolutely. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. So how was it in, in Rochester? Growing up in Rochester, it's a small city, right? And um, my parents actually have Southern roots. My, my father is from Georgia and my mother is from South Carolina and they met in Rochester. And I was born and raised in Rochester. And um, growing up there was kind of tough. Like I had a great, what I call dysfunctional family. Like my family was great and dysfunctional. Everything that you needed to see from the movie Soul Food is in my family, right? right the good, right. the bad, the ugly. And I grew up in a neighborhood that was, you know, my parents purchased a home in this neighborhood. Mm. And when I was young, it was a mixed neighborhood. But by the time I was a teen, it was mostly black. Right. And um, that's the city itself being a small city. It, it today, today, Rochester per capita is considered the murder cap right now because they're having more homicides than mm. any other city in the country per capita. When I graduated high school in 1990, Rochester had eclipsed that mark for the first time. Right. Wow. And for me, I was very fortunate to be able to be, that was my senior year, my graduation year. And that year that I left, four of my best friends got shot. Mm. Right. So, hey, you know, it's that. a city that, you know, when, when events happen, everybody's right. at that event. So if you got beef with somebody in the city, you're yeah. going to see them. Right. So it's 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 one of those cities, but it's a good city. Like mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure it out and I go back there and do work now. But growing up there, there's there's a lot of good. But again, it's a depressed mm -hmm. city. And now yeah. it's even more depressed because their original, their major industry was Kodak. Right. Everybody worked for Kodak. Kodak didn't figure out how to translate to digital. So once that happened. You know what the biggest industry in Rochester is gone. Now you have a lot of people who worked at Kodak for years and years and years. No, now there's no longer jobs. When I was coming through, I never thought about really going to college. And a lot of people never thought really about going to college because you knew you could go get a job at Kodak. Right. But now right. that doesn't exist. So what happens to the people there when the biggest industry in the city is gone? Yeah. Right. The city goes so, into depression. Exactly. And very similar to a lot of cities along that lakefront from Buffalo, Cleveland, Detroit. A lot of those cities were hit hard because they were really based on factory jobs, uh, auto industry, things like that. And once it went away, it really depressed. And then you had crack cocaine in the 80s. Absolutely. In the 80s caused a lot of issues uh, in our community. What would you say was the hardest thing for you growing up? Was it the violence or what was the hardest thing for you growing up? Um, it wasn't the violence because I adapted to that, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. and unfortunately that's what's happening in society today. We adapt to the violence and the violence becomes normalized, mm -hmm. right? 
So we just yeah. we live in this this state of trauma and violence, and we normalize it. For me, more so, I was defiant growing up. For many reasons, I was defiant, and um, my father. I say my father was beautifully flawed. Right? right. Here's a man from Georgia, who was in the middle of twelve children. His parents died when he was eleven or twelve. He had to drop out of high school because he needed to feed himself and fend for himself because basically him and his siblings were basically surviving. He makes it up to New York and carves out a career for himself in a factory. You know, he becomes a machinist. He goes in and gets some skilled trade. But I don't know what that feels like to be a young man in the deep South, lose your parents, make it up to the north and start to work and you know you have a family young and my mother and my father were married till 25 years until my mother passed away but my father from the time i was born drank every day smoked a little weed every day but he, he was so has so much ingenuity my father built a car with his bare hands my father built a car like my father was industrious the only man i knew could grow watermelon in the climate in upstate new york like he was growing watermelon on the side of the house had a garden on the side of the house had a still running in the basement where he was brewing up liquor (laughs) was growing (laughs) weed in one corner in the basement so right. He covered all he covered all bases. Right? But he was he was yeah. a he was a man's man. Right. And my father, like you know, a young man growing up, you looking at your father. My father showed me everything that I should not do, but also gave me everything that I should do. He gave me a lot of tools, but as a young man, it left me confused. Right. And, and you used as a young man. Right. And in your book, you really describe the anger that you felt while you were growing up. And as a man now, and you know, you family of your own, how did you handle that anger growing up? You know, that emotion of anger as a man, uh, as a young man growing up. And now even as a man today, like that's one of the issues that we see is being able to handle that emotion of anger. How did you handle that? So there was a couple things that happened and sports was the biggest thing, right? As a football player, I loved football growing up. I loved all sports growing up, but football was my thing, right? And when I was younger, here's this game where I could get on the field and within the rules, I could hit somebody as hard as I possibly could. So a lot of the anger that I had, I took out on the football field. I was good because I was angry, right? For for whatever reason, Right. Mm-hmm. Whether what was going on in household and family and, you know, again, family was just dysfunctional, but it was love. Right. It was right. lovingly dysfunctional <laughs> for a lot of us. So I remember we used to play football games on Saturdays. Right. And I would get yeah. excited. Like I'm getting up. I get my uniform on. My mother would be cooking breakfast and I come in the kitchen and I'd be like, I'm going to hurt somebody today. Right. And that was cool. I'm going to hurt right. somebody today. And my mother mm-hmm. would be like, why are you trying to hurt people? I'd right. be like, Mom, I'm not trying to hurt them, but you better not have my number on. You better <laughs> not have my number on and be on the other side of the ball. But right. that was a way I was able to get out my anger. 
But at the same time, that same sport taught me self-discipline. It taught me empathy. It yes. taught me management skills. It yeah. taught me survival skills. It taught mm -hmm. me patience. It taught me how to not be defiant of authority. Like yeah. the same very game I was able to handle my anger is the same tools and skills that I leverage now as a man to eliminate those anger issues. Because right. for me, it's about winning. In order to yeah. win in this game of life, you need a team. Yeah. In order to have a team, everybody has to play their position. Yeah. Within playing your position, you know, all of those tools, self-discipline, empathy for those who not pulling their weight. We got to have empathy for them. Why are they not pulling their weight? We got to pull yeah. them up. We all on the same team. So that sport just taught me so many skills that I leverage today. And it's unfortunate that, you know, football is kind of getting a bad rap. People get injured, right. blah, 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 blah. Every young man should have to play football. Mm -hmm. Football teaches you to get knocked down. You're going to get knocked down. Get back up. You need to play with a team. You need to play your position. You need to play your position to the best that your ability for the team. If you're not in the game, you need to support the team. Sometimes you may have to play multiple positions right. for the team. Yeah. Sometimes you may have to take a lesser role for the team. Yeah. And it's all of these things that are life. Right. What's the goal of the game? The goal of the game ain't to score touchdowns. Let's chew up more real estate than this other team. Right. right. It's a real estate game. Let's get this next 10 yards so we can get the first down. We don't got to throw the bomb. We got four downs to get 10 yards. Let's incrementally work this game. Right. And and that really now you were more than just an athlete, though. You you your grades may not have always showed showed it, you know, on your report cards and things like that, but you did have um, a lot of intelligence. You were a smart Absolutely. kid and, you know, maybe the school system didn't really know how to handle somebody like yourself who had intelligence, a young black male. Um, that's why we need mentors. And that's why a few good mentors is here as well. But who were some of your mentors growing up and how did they impact your life? Was it the teachers, teachers and how did they impact you? My father, really, like I never had a black male educator my whole K through 12 experience and not knowing mm -hmm. this. Now I know the data. I know what the data looks like. Black males today make up less than 2% of the public school workforce. So it's highly likely as a black boy who doesn't grow up in one of our major black metropolitans like the D.C. metro area, Atlanta, parts of Houston, right. you may go through your whole career and never have a black male educator. That's a good By point. the time I was a good student up to about third or fourth grade, right? Then it was like, this isn't challenging, one. And not that giving me more challenges in school would have made me better because that's what they say now. If a kid shows intelligence and he's acting out, maybe it's not hard enough for him. And that's not the right answer maybe you're not touching what needs to be touched for this kid. 
right? right? You need to ask, what is this kid into? Nobody ever asked me what I was into, right? If you would have asked me what I was into, I was into tech very young. I loved opening things up. I loved exploring, but that wasn't a part of my curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, I actually yeah. loved to read, but I didn't want to read about little Jimmy on the boat. Right. I like reading tech stuff really young. Yeah, Like my father, my father used to take me to the bookstore because he did all this auto body work on his own. So he would go and uh, we had this bookstore in Rochester, New York called Worldwide News. And when he would go, I love to go because there they had all of these electronics books and I could go sit in the corner and wait for my father. Now, one mm -hmm. thing my father <laughs> would do, he would go to the library, he would leverage the library, but he would go to the store and read the book in the store. So I learned to go read the book in the store, right? So he didn't have to buy yeah. it. He would go read it in the store, take notes, everything. That's smart. So That's smart. I learned yeah. to go leverage reading electronic stuff. And as I got older, I'm a hip hop baby. You know, hip hop yeah. is exploding in the 80s. And right. I loved everything audio. So I got in the car audio design. I loved looking in those books and reading through and seeing what they were doing with car audio design. And that was intriguing to me. So I've read technical. It was really easy for me to read tech. I hated reading novels. I hated reading all the stuff they presented to me in school. So does that mean I'm a bad student because I don't like to read the material that you're presenting to me? Right. Which is right. the challenge I met in school. And then not having any black men who could come intercede and say, all right, Gerald, this is what you need to do. And this is why. Now, my father believed in education. He did not believe in school. Right. Because mm -hmm. I remember getting suspended one time and I overhear this conversation of my mother talking to my father like, yo, Gerald's been suspended like four or five times now. Like we got to do something. Right. My father said to my mother and I heard him clearly and it, it still rings in my head today. The school is not responsible for the education of our children. Point blank. So what my father knew is because I would go to the bookstore and read with him and my father would force me to work with him. My father knew I was intelligent. Yeah. And you're learning at that same time. Absolutely. That's part of the, the learning process. So we're going to take a quick break right there. I'm sorry, Gerald. We'll get right Absolutely. back to you. We'll take a break and we'll come right back. We'll finish that up. A Few Good Mentors has partnered with Krispy Kreme to do a fundraiser. You are able to purchase digital Krispy Kreme gift cards to use at any participating Krispy Kreme store. Digital gift cards will be available for $13. Donations are also welcome. You can order online today at bit.ly forward slash AFG and Krispy Kreme. All proceeds will go to benefit A Few Good Mentors. This fundraiser is sponsored by the AFGM. Atlanta chapter that is coming soon to service the metro Atlanta area and its surrounding cities. Thank you for your support to a few good mentors, our youth, young men, mentors, and other volunteers. We are thankful for you. You have allowed us to expand our vision to so many people thus far. Find us on all social media platforms at AFG Mentoring or on our website AFGMentoring.net. Thank you for staying tuned for all things related to a few good mentors and for subscribing to The Mailbox, where we continue to deliver conversations that inform, inspire, and empower. 
Welcome back. We're talking to Gerald A. Moore, Sr. of Mission Fulfilled 2030 in the mailbox today, May 12th, uh, 2022. Gerald, you were talking about your father as a, the main mentor in your life. Was there anyone else in your life who you would say helped you? Because here at, at A Few Good Mentors, we always say it, it has the old saying of it takes a village. Who was part of your village that helped you? So absolutely. And when we think about Black men and who we are, I come from a huge family. Again, my father was in the middle of 12. My father has seven brothers, right? So I got seven uncles on that side. My mother was the oldest of nine. My mother has six brothers. So there's 13 men in my life that I've taken something from positive or negative. Um, a lot of the men in my family early on in their lives struggled with drugs and alcohol. Again, we talk about the yeah. 80s yeah. and crack epidemic, yeah. cocaine. A lot of my uncles, including my father, struggled with drugs and alcohol addiction. At the same time, these same men pushed me. They motivated me. They supported me in sports. Another reason I was in good at sports because my family showed up. My family is here, man. I'm not going to let them down. My uncles threw the football with me. My uncles took me to the basketball court. My uncles, right, right? for, for yeah, good or bad yeah. and, and, and whatever ills they had, they supported me. Now, at the same time, when I got in high school and I'm this star football player, there's girls around, right? Right. And I was getting some bad influences from my uncle. My uncles would be like, Gerald, that one right there. Gerald, that yeah. one, that one right there. Right. So, you know, the 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 pathway and the passage, rite of passage of manhood, I got some mixed messages. And I think today, you know, black boys don't truly have a rite of passage. And our rite of passage today is you drinking you getting high you having sex right you've been to jail right. you told a gun right so the rite of passage for black boys is skewed and even for me that rite of passage was skewed and not necessarily because um i would say all of my uncles have great hearts they have great hearts but you become a product of your community. You become a product of your environment. And I'm a product of the environment. They're a product of the environment. And they showed me everything that I could be and also showed me everything that I should not do, right? And unfortunately, it had to be a live reenactment. But it, it it's, made, it's made me who I am today. It's molded me. It gives me an opportunity to tell these stories and help other young Black men and black boys because these are our families and these are our stories right. so it doesn't benefit me to go to a young man and portray this life of oh everything was cookies and cream and i got a chance to be a cybersecurity engineer and i make a boatload of money that's not real they can't relate to that right i got to give them a story of yo like dude i've been shot at a couple times like right it's unfortunate it's unfortunate that that happened, but I'm not going to act like I'm above you and not place you in a position where like, man, this dude is way above me. Like I can't, 
you know, I can't even relate to his story of becoming a cybersecurity engineer from he him being a, a straight A student, him yeah. getting into school and things. That's not my path. That's not my story. And it's unfortunate that a lot of times when we select select when we select successful people, they're telling this story to kids in the hood that they can't even relate to. Right, right. Exactly. So I always and make sure that I'm giving my authentic self. Right. And that's a good point because sometimes we see, you know, your nice house, your nice car, and we don't realize what it took for you to get to that point. And was there a point where you knew you were good in math and science and and you wanted to uh, just go into that that area was there a point in high school or middle school years or did you have any inkling like okay I think I'm pretty good with this uh, I wonder what I can do with with math and science absolutely not <laughs> because I didn't think about it that way right yeah I didn't mm-hmm. know I didn't know any engineers I didn't even know any computer scientists I didn't even know I didn't know any uh, architects. I didn't know any professionals growing up. My fathers and my uncles did skilled trades, right? Right. So what I believed I could do and what I was taught to do is work with my hands. Um, I was taught that, you know, one day my father knew I would work. Like, I don't, I don't, my parents didn't have an idea that I would go to college, to be quite frank. I got about 60 first cousins. Mm. Got um, 12 12 aunts and uncles on my father's side, nine on my mother's side. I got about 60 first cousins. Wow. Out of my first cousins, I'm the first person to graduate college. Some went. I'm the first one to finish. Yeah. Right? So I never thought about getting a degree in electronics engineering technology. I Mm. knew I was skilled and gifted at tech because I liked to explore. I knew it was a gift because at 13... I'm designing advanced car audio systems for the drug dealers in my neighborhood. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I knew I was gifted. I knew there was something that I had that other dudes in my community did not have. Right. I just understood. I I had an understanding of how things work. And I would give that back to my uncles who I watched build. I watched Mm. them build stuff. They they let me help Mm. them build stuff. My father. Gerald, come help me build stuff. So I knew how to use tools really young. I knew how to do things really young. I had a I had an uncle who was an electrician at Kodak. And he he would wire stuff. He took me on a job and showed me how to wire a house. Right now, he wasn't an engineer, but he was a skilled tradesman in electrical. Then right. I was fortunate. <laughs> One of the best things that happened to me. Is I got expelled from school in the eighth grade. Wow. I got expelled, you get expelled from school beating up kids. <laughs> right. Got into a fight. It was probably I got expelled from middle school like 10. I got suspended from middle school about 10 times just because it was a rough neighborhood. And my father, again, my father, I love my dad, RIP. But my dad taught me all of these things also that got me in trouble. Right. My dad was like, never let nobody disrespect you. Never let nobody invade your personal space. So if you invaded my personal space, 
I was going to give you that uppercut to the chin and that left hook to the head. Like my father taught me, like my right. father taught me this, right. Which yeah. got me in a lot of trouble. And when I would get suspended, my mother would be scolding me. My father would pull me to the side, dude, knock him out. You know, like, <laughs> right. So, right. So right. It's this mixed message. So I get expelled yeah. in eighth grade over the summer. So it was the end of, it was the end of the school year fight. I get expelled. Now, mind you, I'm testing off the charts. I'm 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 probably at a 1.1 GPA coming out of eighth grade, and you yeah. could pass with a D. So I'm I probably had all D's. I did just enough to get by. Right. So I get expelled and come my ninth grade year. Um, I'm the first expulsion meeting of the year, the beginning of my freshman year. So they wanted to send me to alternative school. So I show up to this meeting because it's the first meeting. The superintendent is in the room. So we're sitting at this long table. It's me and my mother and the administrators from my middle school. And they going over, for lack of better words, my rap sheet, talking about mm -hmm. how many times I've been suspended, how many times I was in in-school suspension. And um, the superintendent is just rummaging through my file. The superintendent stops the meeting and stands up and says, has anybody looked at Mr. Moore's New York State test scores? And everybody just in silent, like this kid is a malcontent, like we need him out. <laughs> so superintendent says, well, Mr. Moore is testing at the 99th percentile in math, reading and science coming mm -hmm. out of eighth grade. Also, Mr. Moore is testing at 12th grade, 12th, 12th year, 10th month in math, reading and science, which meant I basically achieved all the requirements to graduate right then so he was wow. like we're not going to kick this kid out of school gave me an opportunity to go to any school in the city i wanted to and i chose um edison tech because edison tech was a um, technology school where i could go take electronics right and, and and be in that path i knew i wanted to do something in electric so that gave me an opportunity to do something that i thought would be more interesting for me that i thought would help me um, develop and be a better student. But unfortunately, when I got there, the educators, the men that were teaching electrical, we did not mesh. So I made it through, but I wasn't able to really right. be my best self. Yeah. And think, think for a second, if you had somebody like yourself to mentor you and give you that self-discipline, develop that self-discipline like you mentioned in the book think how i mean you're successful now but think how quickly uh, that learning curve would have been and speaking of self-discipline i know in your book you talked about it um and i don't have the uh the exact uh three points that you made but can you before we go on another break can you at least tell us a couple of those uh three ways that uh, sports helped you in developing your self-discipline because that seemed like a change from you know getting ready to go to edison tech and you know and you were already intelligent you know you just needed that that self-discipline yeah sports changed me because really young i had coaches who believed in me yeah i had coaches who believed in me and gave me an opportunity to lead and told me, Gerald, you're a leader. Like, looked at the skills that I presented as a 10-year-old and said, Gerald, you're a leader. 
when I was playing, I'll never forget, I was playing junior peewee football. And this, this is a leadership skill that I carry with me today. When you play junior peewee's football, the coaches are allowed to be on the field. Yeah. Our coaches was like, I get there and my coach is watching me navigate as the quarterback. And he tells the other coaches, we're not going on the field. Right mm -hmm. now, one, I never thought about this from their perspective. It was a manhood thing for them to show the other coaches how much better we are than you. Right. We're uh -huh. not even going to be on the field and we're going to bust y'all. But what my coach understood is Gerald could run this thing. So I had a conversation with my coach, Coach Carl R.I.P. And he said, Gerald, you're going to run the show. We're not going to be on the field and we're going to run in plays in and out. We're going to give you four plays in a row. Matter of fact, if we don't get a play in, you call one at 10. And I'll never forget, Coach said to me, when we go out on the field, you're going to go out first. At the end of the game, you're going to go last. Right? And I'll never forget after one game, we um we was playing another team who was undefeated at the time, and uh, we blew them out. Now, they had their coaches on the field. We didn't have our coaches on the field, and we go through and we shake hands. So now I'm the last player in line in the shake hands line, and the head coach is behind me. We get to the other coach, and the coach says to him, he was like, man, you guys called a heck of a game. And the coach, coach said, I didn't call that game. My quarterback called that game. And he looked at wow. me and said, come here, kid. He was like, you mean to tell me we got destroyed like that by a 10-year-old? Coach <laughs> nodded his head. We, he looked at me. I looked back at him. He gave me the head nod, and we walked off. Like, That's those cool. are the moments that shape. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you Those always, are the always... moments. Yeah, you had it in you. You know what I mean. Right. Even at a Leadership. young age, you really, you had yeah you had a natural ability. We'll Leadership. take a break here, and we'll come back. We're going to jump more into uh, Mission Fulfilled. It sure is a great day for a great day. A few good mentors is asking for your help, asking for you to roll up your sleeves and join us to help young men become strong. Let us be reminded that it takes a village. Let us be reminded that we are the village. You would be surprised at how you spending time with someone can impact their lives in a great way. We ask you today to be the change and join a few good mentors as we continue our journey, changing the world by focusing on our youth. Please visit our website at www.afgmentoring.net or follow us on social media AFG Mentor. We thank you so much. God bless. Okay, welcome back to the mailbox. We are we have Gerald A. Moore Sr. from Mission Fulfilled 2030 sitting in with us talking about his organization, his childhood, and his story, incredible story of uh of his growing up. And and Gerald, we were before break, we wanted to learn a little bit more about the uh, organization. Can you tell us a little bit more about Mission Fulfilled? Mission Fulfilled. Um, was born 
from an idea that I had to create a tech school for black boys, which I did. I achieved that. I created an organization. I created a business called the Tech School for Black Boys. Um, I'm going to take you back a little bit, which I, I did not mention. So the good and bad of sports, because I was really good at sports and I was really good at sports at high school. I was an all-state football player in New York. Uh, was what, and I was a good basketball player as well. I was the point guard on the basketball team, quarterback on the football right. team. What comes with that, girls, right? Yeah. So I ended up having a child, my at, at seventeen years old, my senior year in high school. My son was born, right? I ended up having full custody of him as a seventeen-year-old. I'm still a baby myself, right? Yeah. yeah. But my mother and my father was like, look. This is not our responsibility. You're going to take care of this responsibility. Right. The discipline from football kicked in. The discipline from having, you know, my parents there and, and that dysfunction. But at that time, I looked at myself and said, my son will not be raised in this environment. At that moment, boom, there was, there was a switch. My son will not be raised right. in this environment. I'm going to do everything possible to get my son out of this environment. Yeah. So because so I was did, a young Yeah, I was going to say what did you question. do? I was going to say what did you do um in that case to get him out of that environment? I buckled down in school. Yeah. I knew that I was intelligent enough. Now one, I was being recruited to play football. I was being recruited to play football. And one of the biggest things that happened to me um at the time I was, I, I grabbed, my grades were bad, right? But Syracuse was recruiting me. And I'm talking to the recruiter and the recruiter asked me because they have Prop 48, which means they could have given me a scholarship. I just would have had to sit out the first year, but they would have probably redshirted right. me anyway. So it didn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to the recruiter and the recruiter asked me what I wanted to major in. And I said, electrical engineering. And he burst out laughing at me. Wow. Now in my mind, it wasn't even about football no more for me. Yeah. It was about yeah. getting a degree to take care of my son. Yeah. So at that moment, I realized I probably won't play football ever again. Right. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, Norfolk State University had an open enrollment policy. So I was able to get into Norfolk State and test into their engineering program. So I knew I had the skill to test in. Like I DJed a party, I DJed a party to about 3 a.m. in the morning and got up at seven to make it to my SAT testing site and still knocked out a thousand. Like I knew I had the ability. Right. 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 So I just needed to focus. I needed yeah. a purpose. Like my son gave me bigger purpose. Yeah. And because yeah. I had a young son, I was able to go to school. I was able to graduate. I was able to come home. I was able to move to the D.C. area where I got a nice, cushy consulting job with one of the top consulting firms in the world. Um, Accenture, I mean, Arthur Anderson, now Accenture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I did that, now I'm in Prince George's County, one of the most burgeoning places for black people mm -hmm. in the country. So now I'm here. I'm in a totally different environment. But what I realized, our young black boys still aspire to do the same. You know, some of them right. have better opportunities, right. but we still aspire Absolutely. to do NFL, NBA, hip hop, drugs. Like, yeah, yeah. that's still I the mean, thing. that's yeah, that's it. That's what we all 
say I want to either be a rapper, uh, athlete, or um, something along that line. Yeah. So what I decided to do was I got to figure out how to create more visibility for people like you and I, because yeah. we're, we're virtually invisible. Even though what we do is great, we're invisible. So how can I make myself as a, a systems engineer, a cybersecurity engineer more visible? I can ball, I can play football, but how do I translate that to these kids and my son, right? So what I started doing is I started teaching. I didn't want to isolate my son. I knew I was going to be hard on him. So what I did was I surrounded him with other boys. Mm. I surrounded him with other boys and trained them all. Said, yo, we're going we gonna to create this training circle where not only am I going to teach sport, we're going to learn tech. And then with my second son, when my second son came along, all right, I'm going to do this at a bigger level. Like I'm actually right. going to create a school and I created the tech school for black boys. When I did that, I didn't know it would blow up like it did. Right. I didn't right, know it would, right. it would move like it did, but it did. And, um, but I was, I, it was a fee for service program. And then what I realized is Gerald, the boys like you and where you come from can't afford this program. So yeah. where you're doing a good thing, what about the boys who are in your situation who this program is out of their hands? So Black Enterprise picked it up in 2018, 2019. Uh, they have this thing called BE Modern Man, and I became a BE Modern Man, and they wrote about my story in Black Enterprise and invited me to this Black Men Excel conference in Miami. There I met Sean Dove, and Sean Dove was running the campaign for Black Male Achievement. So I had a conversation with Sean, and Sean was like, young brother, I, I appreciate the work that you're doing. Like, you really killing it out here in this tech and STEM space. And um, he asked me, have you ever thought about going to the nonprofit space? And I was like, I really don't know anything about the nonprofit space. So he asked me, he was like, think about it. And if you go home, and create a nonprofit, and if you can make that nonprofit move, I'll endorse you and help you grow it, which he has done. And as Sean is kind of one of my mentors right now in the space. I, I follow him, I listen to him, I have access to him. And, um, you know, that version, Mission Fulfilled 2030. And when I had the vision, Gerald, what is the vision? And for me, if the vision is attainable, it ain't big enough. Right? Right, right. If the vision right. ain't is attainable, it ain't big enough. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to activate and touch 100,000 boys. Five years post-graduation, I want those boys to be six-figure earners. And if I can do that, that would bring $10 billion of incremental income back to the Black family yearly. Yeah. That that's amazing, and that that's change. That's generational change, right there. That's absolutely. You're, you're you're really changing people's life right there with that. So, how are you? How where are you at right now? Are you getting close to that goal, or and the twenty thirty means by year twenty thirty by twenty thirty. That's the impact yeah. we want to have. Okay. So, we we virtually got started with no money in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Right, we got our 501c3 status in 2019. Uh, 
in, in, during the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So between what happened, so October 2019, we got our 501c3. 2020, I was going to launch this Youth Tech Entrepreneurs Program. Pandemic hits in 2020. I can't launch the live program, which is going to be hyper local. I was only trying to do 10, 15 kids. So I was like, Gerald, you got to do something. So I, I pivoted and I was like, I'm going to launch a free online computer science program for black boys. It just teach the wow. basics of computer science. Messed around, launched that program, ended up getting 500 kids in it from all over the world. Had kids from Africa, had kids from Canada, had kids from the UK, had kids from um, Switzerland, had kids from mm. all over the world. And then it clicked to me, Gerald, you're a national program. And then I started doing my research. And today, there are about six or seven national programs for girls, minority and black girls, that are fully funded with millions of dollars. There's not one national program for boys that's fully funded. So I was like, Gerald, that's your lane. That's your yeah. goal. This is what you're supposed to do. And it doesn't matter that you're starting with nothing. It doesn't why matter do you, that you're starting with nothing. Why do you think the disparity there between uh, the boys and the girls? Well, if you look back about 10 or 15 years ago, there was this whole movement to get more girls in STEM. Yeah, right that's true because they assume that boys are already in it right so there was a lot of and when you look at it it's a white male dominated field yeah so they weren't just pushing um black girls in it they were pushing white girls too but girls are girls and they actually had official movements to move them in step right girls are better students than boys girls are yes. better students than boys yeah Girls are more mature than boys, right? So there's this huge investment just to get more girls in STEM. And a byproduct of that was there was a big movement to get more black girls in STEM, but there was no movement to get black boys in STEM because they assumed we were already in it. They assumed right. we were already sense. technical, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you yeah, look at the landscape for black boys, we have a 50% graduation rate. Hmm. Black males, again, make up less than 2% of the public school workforce. It's less likely for a black man, a black boy, to have a professional black man in his group that he could model, right? Black men make up less than 5% of the high-tech and STEM workforce today. It was a lot less 10, 15 years ago. So who are the models that we have to see? Yeah. And again... Brothers like you and I, in the tech space, we're invisible. Right. And and I struggled with that. Like, once I made it, I was invisible. Like, nobody and knows what I do. They don't know. Which, it doesn't look glamorous. I, exactly. Yeah. You know? So how are the kids supposed to know that if I model Gerald, I could have a great life. I could make yeah. a lot of money. I could have a... I could support my family. I could support my community. How do they know? But I could right. look and see the football player on TV and then I could see him flossing on the news and he in yeah, media yeah. and he on TV and every day there's sports highlights. Exactly. We ain't in the highlights every day. Yeah, there's no STEM highlights, right? Yeah, so, we're, not, we're not in the highlights. 
But what you're doing is amazing. I think one of our viewers just posted a message saying what you're doing is amazing. We want to uh, for sure get some of a few good mentors, mentees in your program. Let's make a promise right now, Gerald, that we can get some of these young men that are in our organization into yours and change the path and the trajectory of where they're going in our life, especially in the science field. And I'm telling you, you've been a big help to uh, to me, even in the nonprofit sector and all the help that you've given us. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they wanted to get their son? In, or is it just males, right? You're just focused on males. No, um, well, actually, <laughs> actually. So think about it this way, right? A program is a program. I have yeah. this youth tech entrepreneurs program that I run. I'm not going to stop a young lady from getting in it. Yeah. But a lot of the content and how I speak to the young men is geared towards young men, right. which is actually great for a young lady to learn. Right. It's yeah. great for a young lady to learn how young black point. boys should interact. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Not how they're presently interacting with them, but in our program, you will learn how they should interact. Right. Right. So it doesn't preclude girls. It's just, I'm doing something for boys because there's seven programs for girls. Now, if a young lady wanted to get in my program, it's open. But there's seven other programs, Black Black Girls Code being the biggest one, right? Minority Girls yeah. in STEM probably being the second one. That's true. That's true. Right? But we're open. And I have a sister. Yeah. I have a sister program. I have a young lady who works with me called Super Nerd, who's super dope. <laughs> And um, well, I typically let's bring her on girl, too. We'll bring, I typically yeah. pass my girls to her. So, okay. if you want to contact me, first of all, go to the website missionfulfilled2030.org. Get on our email list. Learn when we're so you can get emails right directly to your inbox on what's going on at any given time. You can also, if you're a young man, um, we have a virtual youth tech entrepreneurs program that you can sign up for at any time. At any time. We're going to do a group UTEF Entrepreneurs Program this summer. It's going to be an eight-week program. You can do it at your own space, and then we'll have weekly live meetups, weekly live meetups. So you can go to our website, again, missionfulfilled2030.org, um, Youth Tech Entrepreneurs Program, and uh, we'll be sending out those emails. And uh, for a nominal fee, for a nominal fee, um, you'll be able to participate in this program, and it's an awesome program. It's going to give you great enrichment, great motivation, like a big thing, y'all. Like, I get hyped. I get excited to, <laughs> to see a young man excited. Like, I get excited. I get excited. So, um, you know, I am a promoter of Black boys, right? Right. I right. understand that Black boys are the future. Black boys are the future of the Black family. Women are doing everything that they can do right now. Women, the, the black women in the black community and the black family are the most highly educated people on the planet. We got to raise black boys that could come up and support the young girls that's going to come up and, and be in the mode uh, of their ancestors who coming through right now, who's dominating ed the education space. So we got to develop cool. young black boys who going to come up and follow. I got three daughters, Mike. The chances that my daughters can marry a man in the mold of their father right now is about 2%. Right. I can't have that happen. 
I have to do something. I have to build my community for my daughters. My daughters have the right and should have the opportunity to, to be able to marry a man if they so choose and have them have the mindset of their father yeah. or another true. great man like yourself, right? Who yeah. we know that, you know, great men, we kind of on the same level. We're going to go back. We're going right. to give back to our communities. We're going to take care Absolutely. of our families. We're going to support those in need. My daughters deserve to have the opportunity to marry that man. Yeah. Other folks' daughters have the, should have the opportunity to have a higher percentage to be able to find that man if they so choose. A man who's going to take care of his family, take care of his children, be a protector and provider, knowing that the Black woman is going to show up. That's right. That's so well said, he gotta do is hold his own. Yeah. Yeah, we we definitely agree with that, and and we thank you for for joining us in the in the mailbox. We're gonna take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. My name is Michael Morgan, president and founder of A Few Good Mentors Incorporated, a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization that mentors to young men ages eight to twenty one. If you're looking for a mentor or if you want to be a mentor, you can contact us a variety of ways through Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You can also call us at 571-989-2599. The statistics are staggering. Right now, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. And 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. At AFGM, we believe every young male can benefit from a mentor to help navigate through life. Former President Barack Obama once said, Change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Be that change. Contact a few good mentors today. We currently have two chapters, uh, one in Northern Virginia, and the other in Hampton Roads, Virginia, and we are hoping to open up new chapters in a city near you soon. And again, thank you for your time. If you would like to donate, you can text donate or give at 571-487-7689. Okay, this is Michael Morgan with The Mailbox, host of The Mailbox, and we are getting ready to close out our time with uh, Gerald A. Moore Sr. with Mission Fulfilled 2030. This is the last part of our program where I uh, give the Morgan Minute. And so just to wrap things up, this week has been an especially uh, violent week in most cities. And the violence, the shooting, the killing that um, has occurred and has been going on over the last weeks or months has really even escalated even higher than um, ju- than just a previous year. One of the things that we want to do at A Few Good Mentors is be a, the solution to the problem, but we need your help. We need everyone to chip in 
become a mentor. We have chapters available in the DC, Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. Think about your time. Think about what you can do to help out the next generation. We have uh, mentors available in the Hampton Roads area, Norfolk, Chesapeake, Virginia Beach. We're getting ready to open up in Atlanta. Take a good look at your schedule. Take a good look at your time. You will see that you can devote one hour per week to help out. Will that be the solution to all the problems that are going on in America today in most of our cities? I don't know. But one thing for sure, we can, we got to do something. And mentoring is a great start. It'll make you feel better. It'll make a change in someone's life. Once again, thank you, Gerald Moore Sr. for helping us out and sitting in in the mailbox. We will see you next time on the mailbox where, we'll, where we will inspire and empower and have great conversation. Thanks. Phone, text your people, they shit. All the problems and your needs if you just lawyer, doctor, anything if you just you got some questions about some things you just you a king, be the king, you just got proper comfort for the queens if they live in faith and see the dream. Get your phone, text your people, they shit.